All right, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Jesse. I'm out from the uh, Junction Church. We're doing uh, Pastor Swap uh, this Sunday and uh, next Sunday. And so next Sunday you get uh, Jason Nashley from uh, Belfer. And so Jeff is off in Belfer and Jason's off at uh, the Junction. And so it's good to be here. See you again. I had to adjust Jeff's mic because his neck is about the size of my waist. Uh, <laughs> But we do get to hang out every week, uh, Jeff and Jason and I, and uh, you're really privileged to have such an awesome pastor. Really enjoy Jeff and learn a lot from him, and uh, I should be thrilled to have him as a part of uh, your site here. Uh, today I want to talk about uh, shame. We're going to talk about freedom uh, from shame. Shame is something that all of us um, have, and we all struggle with shame at different times, sometimes more uh, or less. But if we want to be effective in the kingdom, if we want to be effective in our marriages, if we want to be people who uh, bear fruit, we need to learn to be able to deal with the shame that we experience. And so that's what we want to talk about today. And I want to talk first about uh, comparing conviction, guilt, and shame. We receive uh, conviction uh, from the Holy Spirit and from our conscience if we are about to do something wrong or we do something wrong. Uh, the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to convict us of sin. Now, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things in our lives, fills us with power and equips us and points us to Jesus. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does is convict us. Uh, John 16 uh, says that when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of its sin. But we also are convicted when we do something wrong by, by our conscience. Uh, God has written his law actually right on uh, in our hearts, as Romans 2 says, God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing wrong. And so uh, this is a good thing. This is way, uh, one of the ways God uh, protects us from uh, turning away from loving him and loving people is he convicts us of sin and our own conscience convicts us. Now, if we uh, step in uh, to sin, and sin is basically whenever we break relationship with God or with others, uh, we will experience something called guilt. And the Bible speaks about guilt, and there's uh, what you could call a good guilt and also a bad kind of guilt. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And so godly sorrow or good guilt is actually uh, to lead us towards God because that's where help and freedom and power is found. Uh, bad guilt will lead us away from God. It'll lead us to isolation. It, it, it's not effective in bringing us towards God. And we can compare these two a little bit. Uh, good guilt leads us towards God because that's where we know forgiveness is. Uh, that's where we know freedom and help and power and fruit is. Uh, bad guilt will actually lead us away from God where we think, you know, I'm too horrible for God to really love me, and i got to go fix myself before I can actually uh, turn to God. Uh, good guilt will think of others, how I hurt God, how I hurt other people. Bad guilt thinks of self. Uh, I made myself look bad. Uh, I feel, uh, you know, that someone saw what I did, and I don't look as good as maybe I, I should. It, it thinks of self. Good guilt will lead us into community, because we know we can't do life alone, and we know that our struggles... We need God's help. We need other people's help. Uh, bad guilt will lead us away from community. Again, it, it'll isolate us. Good guilt is removed with confession, and bad guilt leads to shame. 
And so when we experience good guilt, again, it leads us towards God, it leads us towards confession, where we receive forgiveness and we feel washed and cleansed to, to move on with life. Bad guilt will push us into a place of shame. Hebrews 10 talks about what uh, good guilt should lead us to experience forgiveness and actually having our guilt washed away. Hebrews 10 says, We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. And the most holy place, in the Old Testament, was talking about the temple where the holy of holies was. It was the very presence of God. And the only way you could go into the most holy place in the Old Covenant was the high priest would actually only go in there only once a year. And only after he had performed many sacrifices and there was a time in history where they'd actually tie a rope around the high priest's leg and they would have bells on him just in case he died in there so they could pull him back out. You couldn't go in there. But through the blood of Jesus, he has so cleansed us from our sin and our mistakes and our errors, errors that he has so washed us clean that it actually says that we can confidently enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Notice it's not by our performance. It's not based on how good we've done this week. It's not based on how much you've read your Bible or how much you've prayed. It's by the blood of Jesus. And even when you've really messed up, you've been doing things you shouldn't be doing, you've really just been in a place that you shouldn't be, you've been looking at stuff you haven't looked at, you've been thinking about things you shouldn't, you can actually still confidently go into the holy place. Because it's not about your performance. It says we confidently enter by the blood of Jesus. This is trust and faith in Jesus. Let us draw near to God, it goes on, with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and he is faithful to wash us of a guilty conscience. And so the way it is supposed to work, when we mess up, we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, by our conscience, we experience guilt, which is to bring us back to God where we confess, where we are cleansed of guilt. And this is how we should be walking, in a way where we feel free. That we can breathe deep and just experience this forgiveness. And we shouldn't be holding on to guilt. That should be washed away through the blood of Jesus. But this is not what Satan wants. What Satan wants more than anything is to push you into shame. To have you believe that you are too bad to be forgiven. Or that God doesn't really love you. Or that this idea of being cleansed and being able to go confidently into the throne room is only for real special Christians or pastors or something like that. Because if Satan can get you into shame, it is amazing how powerless we feel. It is amazing how ineffective we are in the kingdom and how uh, it really affects our relationships. Here's some of the difference between shame and guilt. Uh, guilt will say, I have made a mistake. Shame will actually say that I, that I am a mistake. Guilt will say, I have done something wrong. Uh, shame will actually say that I have no value and that, I, that I'm worthless. That I'm actually worthless and I have no value and God couldn't love me and I couldn't even be forgiven. Now, I want to do a little bit of a bracket talk here for a moment because sometimes people will say, well, isn't this true of us? Aren't we as sinners valueless, 
aren't we as sinners worthless? Aren't we worthless in God's eyes? No, actually not at all. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, we are absolutely sinful. We even saw that in the little uh, catechism question before. Uh, The psalm says, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Uh, 1 John says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I mean, all of us are sinful. And there is no way through our own strength can we ever, 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 ever have a right relationship with God. I mean, we need Jesus 100%. But this doesn't mean that we as humans are valueless or, or worthless. Because God actually created us in the very image of God. It says in Genesis 1 that God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created him. And even after the fall, when man entered into sin... Did you know we didn't lose the image of God in us? That we still carry the very image of God even though we are sinners. And this is what it talks about in the book of James. It's just talking about mankind in general, talking about the way we speak our tongues. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses. And notice what it says, those who have been created in the image of God. That even though we're fallen, there's still this goodness about mankind and the fact that we are created in the image of God. Of God. And even in, like, if you are reformed or come from the reformed teaching, even the idea of total depravity does not erase the idea of being made in the image of God, that there still is this goodness in us. In fact, Jesus talked about how we are actually valuable, even though we are sinners and fallen and we need Jesus for every, that there's still value. Uh, Jesus said, You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Matthew 6 said, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Now, Satan tries to push us into a place where we actually believe we are worthless and uh, we're not valuable, and therefore God could never forgive us and God could never love us, and uh, it, it keeps us being ineffective in a lot of areas of our life. And so here's some of the things that Shame will say that if you've not taken your guilt and go to Jesus and allow him to forgive you and wash you clean, if you don't do that, Satan will take you into a place of of shame. And here's some things that you will feel or think. Uh, You will feel hopeless. Uh, Even as a Christian, you will feel hopeless. And as a follower of Jesus, we should never feel hopeless because we have the one who is able to do more than we can even imagine. But shame will say that I'm actually in a hopeless situation. Uh, Shame will uh, cause you to feel depressed. It'll make you feel like a failure. That even though that you have a God whom is nothing is is impossible with this God, you will feel that he can't do that for you. You'll feel like a failure. You will isolate yourself because you don't think you deserve to be loved. Because you don't want others to find out who you really are inside. Uh, You will want to disappear. Again, uh, you'll think that everything is your fault. These are all lies of the enemies. You'll think that you can't be forgiven. That for some reason, that you're worse than normal people, and therefore God forgives normal people, but he could never forgive you. Uh, Shame will have the idea that you'll have a deep hatred of yourself, that there's nothing you like in yourself, there's nothing valuable, and therefore God couldn't love you, others shouldn't love you. You will feel powerless. Uh, You'll think that you are a mistake, that somehow God messed up. God sort of did right with everybody else, but, but not with you. Uh, you will feel you have no value. 
you may feel that you don't deserve to be loved, forgiven, or cared for. You can open up the Bible and read God is love. And that uh, God sent his son in the world to, to love, but shame will say that you're, you're unlovable. That God couldn't forgive you. Uh, that God wouldn't even care for you. Uh, shame says you can't receive God's grace. They actually need to work for it. That the only way God, you can receive forgiveness, the only way you can actually receive grace is that you've got to do a lot of Bible reading or a lot of praying or you've got to uh, somehow work towards receiving God's love or work to a place where God can actually uh, forgive you. Uh, you may feel you need to make atonement for your sin. And these are all lies that go against the gospel, by the way. That somehow the only way you can get rid of your sin is you've got to do a lot of good things. And there are people who do a lot of good things in this world, and the reason behind it is actually because they're trying to atone for their mistakes. They don't allow Jesus to wash them clean, but they're trying to work off all the bad things they did in their life. This can result in people cutting themselves, trying to atone for their sin, uh, whatever it might be. There's this feeling that somehow you have to pay for your sin. It can result in self-sabotage, where people who are stuck in shame will actually self-sabotage their marriage or self-sabotage a relationship. Because again, they, they think that, well, I actually don't deserve to be loved. And I don't deserve to have a good friendship. And I'm such a bad person, I don't deserve to have a good marriage. And so shame will self-sabotage that. Now, uh, shame will lead basically to despair or performance, which puts you in a cycle that will cause you to feel more shame. In other words, when you're stuck in shame... It can lead to a place of despair where, uh, again, you feel you're worthless, you're valueless, that, that even with God's help, you can't be forgiven, you can't be washed clean, and you just want to give up on everything. You want to give up on Christianity. You want to give up on because you don't experience God's love or forgiveness or his power. And that leads to more shame, which leads to more dis- despair, which leads to more shame, and it pulls you down. For other people, shame leads to performance. Well, I got to do better next time. Next time, I'm not going to fall into that sin. This time, I'm going to work really, really hard. This time, I'm not going to let that happen to me. But the reality is, none of us are perfect. And when you fail, that leads to shame again, which leads you to performance and leads to shame. And again, it causes this this spiral. And we see this a lot in addiction or in bondage where someone will act out whether it's pornography or drinking or, uh, you know, whatever it might be, gambling or spending money, which leads to guilt, which again, guilt is a good thing. It is to lead us towards God where we experience forgiveness and cleansing and power. But Satan was to push us into shame where God can't forgive me. Where that was too horrible or I'm too bad of a person and I'm just really, really can't do anything right and God can't even help me, which leads to recommitments of performance. This time I'm going to do better. This time I'm going to try. This time I'm not going to fall into that mistake. I'm going to do really, really well. And you may perform for a little while until you hit an episode, a trigger or a, a stress. You get a Fortis bill or bad day at work or whatever it might be. And in that moment of weakness, you fall back into whatever it might be. And then the cycle continues. And so one of the big things that needs to be dealt with with habitual sin or bondages is shame. Shame is one of those things, again, it affects so many areas of our life and we actually don't even realize it. And so we want to talk a little bit about freedom from shame. Uh, Pastor Andrew said this, 
shame is the raincoat over the soul, repelling the living water of Jesus that would otherwise establish us as the beloved. The shame is, a, shame is actually a raincoat over the soul that keeps us from experiencing the love and forgiveness and grace of God. God is wanting to shower us with so much grace and love and forgiveness and to have you just wash where you can actually walk in freedom, even if you're stuck in some sort of bondage or struggle or whatever that sin might be, that he wants you to be able to walk in freedom. But shame is like putting up an umbrella and it keeps us from the love and the grace of God. And it's important that we learn to pull down the umbrella of shame so that we can actually experience what the gospel says we should experience. And so when we talk about freedom from shame, and we'll get into scripture here in a moment, uh, one of the big questions is this. Uh, Who are you trusting and who are you listening to? This is a super important question. When you have thoughts of shame or you're feeling shame, one of the big questions is who in that moment are you trusting and who are you listening to? Because really there's a few sources. We can listen to Jesus, who should have the authority over life. We can listen to God's word, or we can listen to our feelings, or we can listen to sin and Satan. And the reality is when we are stuck in shame, we are actually in that moment having more faith in sin and Satan and our feelings that we do in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. I mean, if we believe we're unforgivable in that moment or God couldn't love me or I have to work towards something to be forgiven or in order for God to love me, you may be listening to your feelings. Uh, You may be listening to sin and Satan, but you're not listening to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And a lot of times we entertain thoughts of shame which are against the gospel and we don't realize that we're actually having more faith in sin and Satan and our feelings than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's an important question you need to ask is, is whom are you trusting, listening to? This also deals with this question sometimes people ask, um, you know, I've confessed my sin, but why do I still feel guilty? And why do I still feel full of shame? Even though I confess my sin to Jesus, I still feel really guilty. Part of the answer is you're not trusting Jesus. You're trusting your feelings. Because our feelings aren't a good source of authority, by the way. Our feelings will lie to us. Our feelings will lead us down the wrong path. And often when we are feeling shameful, we need to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ and believe what Jesus actually says about that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what Jesus uh, actually teaches us in God's word. So these are some of the things that we can take captive and make obedient to Christ. Uh, 1 John 1 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And it says here that he, if we confess our sins, he'll actually purify us from all unrighteousness. And it's really, really interesting because you know what that Greek word all means? It means all. It does. It really does. All unrighteousness. Because sometimes we think like, well, not this sin, or I've done this too many times. I can't possibly forgive it. This is the truth of the gospel. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to actually forgive you. 
Now, in that moment when you don't feel forgiven, you, again, the question, who are you trusting? Are you trusting your feelings, which say, well, I couldn't be forgiven? Are you trusting Satan, which said God would never forgive you? Or are you going to trust God's word? That says you actually are forgiven. And that is the thought that we need to hold on to. Hebrews 8, uh, God says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. Romans 8, there is uh, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Not some, but actually no condemnation. That when you ask for forgiveness, God is actually looking at you with eyes of peace. Now, Satan would have you believe that God is still looking at you with eyes of anger, that you better stay in that guilty, shameful feeling because God is so angry with you and he just wants to get you because you made that mistake one too many times. There is no condemnation. So again, you you have this, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust your feelings to say that I still feel condemned? Are you going to trust sin and Satan which says you are condemned? Or are you going to trust God when he says, "I, I don't condemn you? If you are in me, there is no condemnation nation. Ephesians 1 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Again, we don't deserve this. And Satan will remind you of that, that you don't deserve it. Our feelings will say, I don't deserve this. But God's grace is way bigger than our feelings. He has lavished his grace on you. And if you think God's grace is too good, then you're just starting to get there. It is way better than we ever imagined. We are forgiven. And so when we are convicted and we feel guilty because we've made a mistake and we go and confess to God, you are forgiven. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Shame will say you're not forgiven. Shame will still say that you're still under condemnation. You need to push those thoughts away and believe the resurrected Jesus. Uh, We are also deeply loved and valued. Now, do you think God the Father loves God the Son? You would think so. You think God the Father loves the Son a whole lot? Do you think it's this amazing love between God the Father and God the Son? Yeah, we would say, yeah, of course. Do you know that God loves you that much? The same amount of love that God has for his son, he actually loves you the same. And it doesn't matter if you've been stuck in looking at pornography this week or alcoholism or whatever it might be. If you are in Christ, he loves you as much as he loves his son. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 17. Jesus says, I and them and you are in me. May they experience, he's talking about us, may we experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and, and this is what he says, and that you, Father, love them, that's us, as much as you love me. He said, I, I pray that they would see that we are loved as much as the Father loves Jesus, the Father loves us. And we're not perfect. And we mess up. So any lie that Satan says to you that says God doesn't love you, you know that's a lie. And you don't hold on to that. Again, we don't believe our feelings when we think or feel that I'm unlovable and how my friends shouldn't love me or my wife shouldn't love me or God couldn't love me. Those are lies. We don't, we don't believe lies. We believe Jesus. We believe the gospel. I mean, this is a gospel issue. 
why don't we have a hard time believing that Jesus is actually that good or the gospel is that good that I, well, I can't be forgiven or I can't be loved. You are way more loved than you ever think, even in your deepest, darkest moments. Incredibly loved. Romans 5 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And we're still sinners, and, and God still loves us radically. And since we have been made right with God, uh, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now notice that his love and his grace was poured out on us while we were still enemies. And so when you were at your worst, God's love was just overshadowing you incredibly. And if you feel you're at your worst today, maybe, God loves you. God loves you a whole lot. God loves you more than you could ever, ever, ever imagine, even right now, even at your darkest moments. I mean, you can't run away from God's love. In fact, here he even talks about friendship with God and how God's condemnation has been washed away in the context of being enemies and sinners of God. And so if shame ever tells you you're unlovable, or God can't love you in this moment because of what you did last night or whatever, you know that's a lie. We as followers of Christ believe the gospel. We don't believe our feelings. They're not our authority. We don't believe sin is Satan. Sin and Satan are not our authority. Jesus and his word is our authority. We are also totally accepted in, as a dearly loved child. Uh, Romans 5 says, Since we have been made right in God's sight, or the word justified, just as if we never did it, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Again, we may say, I don't deserve this. <laughs> totally right, I don't either. But this is how good God's grace is. And shame will tell you that you don't deserve it and you're not going to get it because you don't deserve us. And again, those are, those are lies that we tend to believe. That we are actually made right. We have peace with God. That you are actually accepted. God accepts you even if you're struggling with stuff, even if you keep falling into stuff, he accepts you. He is looking at you with these incredible eyes of peace. You have peace with God. And this has nothing to do with how good we are. This is all about how good Jesus is. This is about the gospel. We are accepted. First John 3, 1 says, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You're actually his child. And uh, he loves you as his child. He accepts you as his child. Romans 4 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, when is it that we really need mercy and grace? Now, we know we need it all the time, but we really need it when we've just messed up. When we've just done something that is just like, I really hurt somebody, or I really hurt God, or I really just fell into this thing again, then I should, I told I was not going to fall into this thing again. That is when we actually need mercy and grace the most. Now notice what it says we do when we need mercy and grace. It says, 
let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Shame would say, you can't approach God's throne. You just messed up again. How dare you? You shouldn't even go to church. The roof is going to fall on your head this weekend. I mean, how dare you approach? Maybe after you read the Bible and really worship a lot, then maybe you can kind of approach the throne room of grace. And that's what shame says. We can actually, in our worst moments, approach God's throne with confidence because of what Christ did. Again, this is not about how good we are. It's about how good Jesus is. That we can confidently approach the throne room of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need. This is how loved you are. This is how accepted you are. This is how good the grace of God is. Do you believe that? Do you really, really believe that to the core of your being? Do you live that out? Do you allow him to cleanse you and to wash you? Or do you hold on to these ideas of shame and these thoughts of shame where all of a sudden the lies of the enemy and your feelings become your authority? When the Bible says we don't need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, we are not defined by our sin, but actually by being in Christ. Do you know what most, the most common way we're actually described as Christians is being in Christ or the idea of being in Christ? We are, we are in Christ. 60 times the New Testament actually identifies us as saints. Do you know there's only two or three times in the New Testament we're actually identified as sinners? This doesn't lessen us the fact that we're not sinners. I mean, we, we are sinners. <laughs> Absolutely. If anybody claims we're without sin, we made God out to be a liar. But we have a new identity in Christ. We, we are his children now. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms. And so we have this new identity in Christ that the idea is that we are in Christ, that we are actually saints. You're just like, well, I don't act like a saint. I don't act like I'm in Christ. Sometimes that doesn't change who you are. I mean, the reality is I'm a pastor. But you know, there are times when I don't act like a pastor, but I'm still a pastor. I'm a dad. And there are times when I don't act like a dad, but you know what? I'm still a dad. You are a saint. You are in Christ. Now, times when you don't act like it, but that doesn't change your identity. And this is really important because our identity will actually determine our activity. I mean, if you live in shame and you think, I'm unforgivable, I can't do anything right, even God can't help me, and God doesn't love me, and I'm not acceptable, then you say, well, who cares? It doesn't matter if I sin or not. I'll just keep just digging in the, you know, the, the dirt or whatever because that's who I am. But that's not who you are. You are in Christ. You are a saint. And when you allow his love and his grace and who you are in Christ to saturate you, you begin to live out of that identity. And you realize, you know what? I'm tempted, but that's not who I am anymore. That you are not defined by sin anymore, but you are defined by being in Christ. And so here's what we need to lean into is that I am totally forgiven I am deeply loved and valued. I am totally accepted as a dearly loved child. I am not defined by my sin, but by being in Christ. This is what the gospel says. And our response is, are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe your feelings? Are you going to believe what sin and Satan is saying to you? Are you going to believe the gospel? And we need to learn to catch ourselves in this. When we begin to think thoughts of shame, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to, nope, I am loved by God. 
No, I am forgiven. No, I am accepted. No, I'm not defined by my sin. I am defined by being in Christ. This is where freedom from shame begins to take place in your life. When you begin to hold on to the gospel and actually believe it, like actually believe it. Jesus said that the truth will set you free. And again, one of the reasons why a lot of people are not free is because they actually don't believe the truth. Now, we've heard the truth. We've, we've read it in the Bible. But some of these truths, we, sometimes don't, we don't believe, especially in shame, that we actually don't believe the truth and therefore we're not free. The truth will set you free. When you learn to really hold this as truth, you can find that shame, that deep embedded shame from your mistakes or whatever happened in your past, it begins to wash you when you actually believe that I am totally forgiven, that I am deeply loved and valued, that I'm totally accepted as a dearly loved child, that I am not defined by my sin, but by being in Christ. Three times in the New Testament, it says that if we are in God, that he doesn't put shame on us. Satan will remind you and try to get you to believe that God is the one who has given you these feelings of shame. It's because you are so horrible and so bad that you deserve to be stuck in shame because God has given it to you. Absolute lie. Three times it says this, Romans 9, the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Romans 10, 11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 1 Peter 2, 6, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so if you have feelings of shame, trust Jesus. Your feelings are not your authority. They, they lead you down horrible places. Definitely sin and Satan are not your authority. Jesus and the gospel is our authority. And Jesus says you are loved and you can be forgiven and that guilt can be washed away and you can live a new life in Christ. And even when you mess up again, you go back to Jesus and allow him to forgive you because this is actually a daily thing. You know the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' model prayer for how we should pray every single day. Part of that is, Father, do you forgive me as I forgive others? And every day we wash away our shame. Every day from the junk we did yesterday, we just allow ourselves to be washed in the truth of Jesus and we wake up and say, I am forgiven. I am accepted. I am so loved. My new identity is in Jesus and I'm ready to go take on Satan for the kingdom of God. So we're to live into. And so as we close, I just want to read a few scriptures and then we'll be done. Just to infuse some grace into us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And you can't, uh, can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's pray.
Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just give up our shame and lay it at your feet. God, whatever shame that we are feeling this morning from mistakes yesterday or mistakes from 10 years ago, God, or our repeated mistakes, we lay them at your feet. We confess them as sin and we turn from them and ask for your forgiveness. And Jesus, right now we receive the cleansing. We receive that freedom from guilt and we, God, experience it being washed away. God, I pray you would teach us to hold on to the truth of the gospel, that we are dearly loved and dearly forgiven and we are so accepted. God, I pray you would train our minds to take every thought captive and make it obedient to you. God, that we would not be entertainers of of shameful thoughts from our feelings and from sin to Satan, but that we would truly have you as our Lord and King, and we would believe you, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, in in every uh, single aspect of our being. So we thank you again for your love, and we thank you for your forgiveness. And God, we pray that you'd help us to walk in the freedom of your truth. In Jesus' name.